take a break from our Matthew series today to focus God's Word. God's Word tells us about our responsibility as fathers. Two passages I want to look at today. That first one in Psalms... Sorry about that. Psalms 127 has been on my heart for a long time. And it just stands out to me as it speaks to us and our responsibility as parents, mothers, and fathers. And it starts with this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. That lets us know that we can't do anything without God. And if we're not following God's formula, we have zero chance for success as God defines it. So we need to follow God. We need to depend on God as we raise the children that God has given to us. Unless the Lord watches over the city, those who watch stay awake in vain. In other words, all of their labor will not account or amount to anything apart from God's power. What we do then has to be by faith, by trusting God, depending on God, and obeying God as he's given us this responsibility. What caught my eye about this passage in Psalms is it talks about this, God's work being more important than our work, or, or, or saying it this way, our work has to be built upon God's work. And that's why I jumped to the passage in 1 Corinthians. But before we get there, notice that when it talks about whatever it is we're doing has to be has to be going along with what God is doing, it comes right back down in verse 3 to talking about children. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a gift from God. So in order to raise our children the way God wants us to do, we have to do it with a dependence and a trust in him. Let's take a look at that passage in 1 Corinthians. And it's five things that I just see in this passage. And the first is, is, is very obvious. It's Paul has laid a foundation for our faith by presenting Jesus Christ. In other words, the foundation is laid. That foundation is Christ. Paul says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. As parents, and particularly today, we address fathers. We are to lay a foundation in our homes. And that foundation must be Christ. How do we lay this foundation? 
But we do it by word, by teaching, but we also do it by example. And one goes with the other. We have to be the example that we are challenging and teaching our children to be. For too long, fathers have said, do this and do that. Instead of just saying, just watch me. Do as I do, because that's what they're going to do after all. They're going to watch you, Dad. They're going to emulate you. It's, it's amazing to me how I see traits in myself that I didn't even think that mirror my father. I even see traits in my children that mirror them, that mirror my dad, passed down through a generation. We are, it's like we are carbon copies. We follow that example that is set in front of us. Now, let that be a good thing. Let's give by example. Let's do and practice before our children what it is we want them to do. In 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, Paul says this, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. It's certain that we are to follow Christ, but we need someone down here on earth to show us how to do that. We need a human being example. God knew that was why he sent Christ in the first place, to, to provide for us a human example. And then Christ went away, he sent the Holy Spirit, but he has always had believers, and, and, and this is important, that God gives us human examples for us to follow. Fathers, we are to be that example. The second point I see here, Well, it actually goes with the first, and I mentioned that Paul laid the foundation. We are to build on that foundation. Our work as fathers needs to be built on the foundation of Christ. Let Christ be first and foremost in your family, in your homes, in your own life. How do your children see that? You may say, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a deacon in the church. I'm not a leader in the church, and so... I don't set that. I don't teach in Sunday school. I don't lead in that kind of way. Well, that's not the leading I'm talking about. I'm talking about how you speak in the home, how you relate to your wife, their mother in the home, how you're connected with their mother in the home, how you respect her, how you view her, how you speak of her, and how you treat her. What example are you giving in that? What kind of man are you? How do your neighbors know you? How do you interact with them? What do your children see of that? What about when a conflict comes up? How do they see you responding to that? What's your frame of mind? What's your language that you use? What, what, what trait are you passing down to your children? What's your habits? How do you relax? What things do you enjoy? How do you show that enjoyment? Are they wholesome things? Are they things that give glory to God, even in how you enjoy them? 
I was watching the playoff series this year, and of course I was disappointed that the Bucks bowed out too early. They were my team. I was watching them. I supported them. But even how we cheer and, and, and what we're proud of and what we hook on to, our children look at and see. I told some students at school, I don't know anything about his faith, but I like Giannis's attitude. I like what he brings to the table. So anybody who sees me cheering the Bucks knows what kind of positive things I see in that kind of a person and what I like about that. There are the, so many athletes that show me so many other things that try to tell me how to think politically. It's like, shut up and play basketball. They, they, hate, they hated people saying that about LeBron, but I echo that thought. Don't tell me how to think. Play the game the way you should and I will see if that's something for me to emulate or something for me to highlight. Your children pick up on that. Who do you like? What do you cheer for? What do you support? And what are you involved in? Do they say something about your character? Do you stand for something? And so we build on that foundation by the everyday things that we do. What's your work habit? What are you teaching your children? One of the things uh, I do at, at school, I'm the campus pastor there and, and uh, dealing with, uh, actually we'll be starting summer school this week. And our children suffer from a lack, what I call a lack of diligence. They don't know how to be diligent to a task that needs to be done. Now, they know how to be diligent because they can sit in front of that, that video game and play it all day long and all night. So they know what dedication means, but they don't know what it means to be dedicated to a task that they need to do. How do we teach them that? Do we just do what we feel like when we feel like doing? I'm grown, boy. I do what I want to do. Does that attitude come on from, from you to them? Or do they, do they know that you do what absolutely needs to be done? You find a way to get it done one way or the other. You're going to do it the way God wants you to do it. That's what drives you. Not just, not just I can't wait to get a beer in my hand and take a break and do nothing. What drives you? The character, Christian character. So we build on that foundation. I notice in this passage, the third point is we are accountable to God and to each other on how we build on this foundation. We are accountable to God and to each other how we build on the foundation that God has laid for us. In this passage in 1 Corinthians, Paul is saying, I've laid this foundation of the gospel. I've laid this foundation of Christ. And you notice Paul was concerned about who would come later to build on this foundation. He had a concern. He was actually given a warning. Watch out how you build on this foundation. In other words, there's a sense of, I've done a lot of work to lay out what's right. I want to make sure what you add to it adds to it and doesn't take away from it. God is saying he's given our children, he's actually given them to us for a, a, a short time, a 
amount of time, and he's very much concerned. In other words, we are accountable to him for what it is we build in them and how we build that. Paul says in this passage, let each one of you take care how he builds upon it. Speaking of the foundation. In this circle, he's saying the gospel has been laid out, and now everything you need to do, everything you do from there builds on that foundation of the gospel, but be careful how you build on that foundation. And as fathers, we have that same responsibility. I noted that we're accountable to God, but we're accountable to others as well. That's why Paul was saying, hey, be careful what you're doing. Don't be slopping in the building that you're doing. I care about this, he's saying. Others are concerned about this. We have this notion that it's my business what I do in my home. That's my son. I do what I want. No, you are building on a life. And you're accountable not only to God, but to each of us. You had the right to say, man, what you doing? What are you teaching your children? What do we teach them? I talk about diligence. And, you know, you, you, you teach them. What's your attitude about time? About being on time? About respecting time? About respecting God's time? Respecting the time of others? We are building on that foundation. We're accountable. We're accountable to God. We're accountable to each other. So Paul said, be careful. And then he gave this example. If anyone builds, verse 12, now if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. He's saying there, all that we do is going to be tested. And the test will reveal what we did and whether or not it was of value. And he uses an example. He says you can build for, with gold, silver, or precious stones. And then he uses another category, which is wood, hay, and straw. And the test for this work that's going to be tested. So there's two types of work. So those tested, when, when they go through the fire, they uh, uh, are burned and destroyed. Or when they go through the fire, they remain. And so you see the gold, the silver, and the precious stone. And then you see the second category, the wood, the hay. When it's tested by fire, you know what happens to the straw and the hay. The same thing happens with the wood, just not as quickly. But the gold and the silver and the precious stones are purified by the fire and not destroyed. And that's the example that Paul is giving. He says everything that we do when we build on this foundation is going to be tested. Now, what is the test? The test is the trials of life, the challenges that come with life. And he's saying every work is going to be tested. In one sense, all of us are going to have some type of trial or challenge in life that will show what it is that we've done. Be sure that test is coming. 
He uses the word manifest here. He says in verse 13, each one's work will become manifest. The word manifest is, is made to be seen, easily seen or revealed. So the fire comes to reveal what kind of work it is. The challenges come in your life and in your child's life to show what it is you have built in them. Can they stand up to that test? I notice in Psalm 127, the passage talks about children being a gift from God. Let me just turn there. Because it says, like arrows, verse 4, in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. He gives a sense that children are like arrows. They're like ammunition. They, God has a purpose for them. And so our foundation, what we are building in them should reflect the purpose that God has for them. In other words, we ought to be preparing them to be the kind of arrows, the kind of ammunition God wants them to be. Keep in mind, fathers, keep in mind, mothers, that as you train your child, you need to keep in mind God's purpose for them, not your purpose or their purpose. That's why this gender nonsense today is just that, nonsense, asking a young child what they want to be. You need to be telling them what God, their creator, designed them to be. And building them in that way. But he says, this is what God designed them, to be arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. Our children will not always be children. They grow up very quickly. We're not raising, we should not be raising them to stay children. Sometimes parents are hugging their children in a sense they want to hold on to them. God didn't give them to you for that. Enjoy them, love them, yes, but raise them, shape them to be what God designed them to be. Arrows. What's important of an arrow is that it be straight. That it be balanced well. So when it's stretched back and let go, it can hit its target. We train them. We don't let them grow up. We teach them and instill in them over and over again so that they might be that arrow that hits its target. It says they'll be tested, manifest, revealed, made known. Back in 1 Corinthians, it says, what kind of test? The word fire is used there. And that's what it means. It means a test. It's not intended, at least by God, 
to destroy them. We noticed that passage in Matthew chapter 4 last week that Jesus went through testing. It's the Holy Spirit that led him to the test. God intended that to reveal and for us to reveal and to strengthen us. Of course, Satan intends for it to destroy us. But the test shows where we are and what we need. It will reveal or show whether or not our work was of value. Those works that stand the test of time are of great value. As a father, we seek to build the inner quality rather than enhance the exterior or the external only. What do I mean by that? Build character in your child, not just beauty or muscles. Be concerned more about the, than more about the hair and the height. Be concerned about what kind of individual are you building, are you shaping in your home. And then let's look at the test itself. The test shows the reward. He says in this passage in 1 Corinthians, he says in verse 14, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. Now he's speaking of individuals. His work has been done in them. It says, if the thing you built on this foundation of salvation is good, then it will pass the test. If it's not, then it itself will be destroyed, and all you have is the foundation, which is salvation in Christ, but nothing else to count for that. And so he says, they'll remain, but just barely. Just barely. When we talk about that inner quality rather than just these external qualities, Ecclesiastes 7.1 says this. So I want to turn there. It says, a good name is better than precious ointment. Think about that. A good name is better than precious ointment. What he's talking about, first of all, what's precious ointment? It's like cologne or perfume. It smells good. He says a good name is better than a good smell. What he's talking about is good name, he's talking about character. What you truly are, your character is more important than your looks, your appearance before others the clothes you wear, the cologne that you have, the hairdo that you have, all of those things that shape your exterior. We're not saying they're not important at all. It's saying what's even more important than that is what's on the inside. Be careful what you praise. If all we do is praise the external qualities of a person, we're saying that's what's most important in our eyes. God doesn't just praise that. He doesn't praise the external look. Oh, boy, you tall. You strong. Well, that, that's good. That might even be obvious. 
I'm not taking that away. But don't teach them that's the only thing that's important. What's more important? Do you have integrity? Have you trusted and are you trusting in God? Can you be trusted? Are you trustworthy? Are you honest? Are you hardworking? Do you follow, do you imitate your father, your heavenly father? That's the character traits that no one can take away. Girl, you look good in, in those braids. Well, okay, that's fine. We can all recognize beauty. But what's more important, what's her attitude towards herself and towards others? Praise that. Encourage that above all because that's what you want to build. And why is it that we want to build that? I love watching and keeping an eye on athletics. And if you watch anything in life, it could be um, performers, entertainers, music, or, or theater, or or, or, or movies, whatever it is, you know that when you're young and you're handsome and you're strong and you're athletic and you're beautiful, the world is there for you. But you're not always going to be that. It gets a time where, hey, you can no longer turn heads like you used to. You're not always going to have that. In other words, that's fleeting. There's a moment for that, and the world enjoys you in that moment. But after that, what happens? For athletes, they retire after a while. And it ain't that long of a while. 32 becomes old for an athlete. 35 is ancient. And don't talk about 40. But when you think about it, life is just starting then. What do you have after that? If we teach our young ladies that, hey, you are young and you are good looking, what happens after that period in your life? Where you going, are you only of value because people like the way that you look at the moment now? God does not value that way, value you that way. Don't let others... Define you that way. Don't define yourself that way. So let's not train and teach our children that way. So Ecclesiastes says a good name is better. It's more important than fine ointment, than the way that you smell or the way that you look. And then in Proverbs chapter 31, I know this is Father's Day, but look at this, this text that we often use for Mother's Day. Proverbs 31 it says something about her there, and I want to look at it. In Proverbs 31, verse 30, it says, Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, he's not downplaying charm. We love charmful people. In other words, a person that, that when they come in the room, the room just kind of lights up. Everybody likes and enjoys that kind of a person, but it's, it's deceitful. It doesn't tell you anything about their true character. That kind of person looks good, can smile and say nice things to you and turn around and turn on you. You know anything about the character just because of that trait. It's a beauty is vain. In other words, it's... It's fleeting. 
It lasts only so long. There's coming a time when you, you, you might be considered beautiful all of your life, but I guarantee you, you don't look the same as you did in the peak of your life. Because beauty is changing. Our bodies are changing. So we don't put all of our stock there. But what, what do we build in our children? A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. We teach our children to be this, and we also teach our children to value this. Let me talk to our young teenagers if we have a few here today. What do you value? When you start to like that boy or like that girl, what is it about that girl that you're attracted to? Not a problem saying she's pretty or he's handsome. I like the way he looks. You can start there, but look past that. What have you observed of their character that's pleasing, that's attractive, that tells you something about their relationship or lack of relationship with God? A woman that fears the Lord, she is to be praised. Oh, I like him, Mom, because he makes me laugh. He makes jokes all the time. Well, that's okay in and of itself, but he's got to be much deeper than that. He's got to have more than that as his character trait. What are we looking for? What do we value? Well, you know where they're going to get that? From you, Mom. From you, Dad. Dad, what kind of woman do you like? What are you looking at as you ride down the street? What's the expression on your face when you see that? What's your comment? When mama ain't around, but son is. They hear that. They see that. They interact with that. What are we telling them in those things? So we're talking about that character versus just the external. We spend a lot of money external. Obviously, it's important. Each one of you came today dressed your best and looking good. You brushed your teeth this morning. You got in the mirror. You fixed that face. You got that complexion straight. You did whatever you could do to your hair. I'll say that me because, hey, only so much you can do, right? <laughs> You're like, I'm done. <laughs> it is what it is. I'm going to cut it all off. Um, but you are concerned with your presentation and how you look to others. We see if our tie is straight. We see if our shirt is falling down straight or if it's bunched up in a bunch. We, we care about how we look, and we should. The point is, though, seeing that that is going to pass, what's even more important is the eternal. That's shown by our internal. That's what's most important. I'm afraid sometimes as parents we give the wrong impression that the external doesn't matter at all. And our kids see through that. They know it does. Because it does. But it's not most important. And it has to be a priority. And that priority has to come from you, parents, and from you, Dad, mama's not always going to look the way she looked when you first met her. 
How do you show your love, attention, and affection, or are you looking for the next best-selling thing? Like we trade in cars, you know? I have a C7 Corvette, and I'm looking at the C8s, because those are the brand new ones. And what's after that, and what's after that, and what's after that? How do we show that, hey, I understand that this woman that I love is not the same age she was when I met her. But how do I show that, that that's not what's most important in my life? And so he says these character, this character in this person is going to be tested. And a reward is going to be given out based on that test. He, he really says what's left after the testing is what you'll be rewarded on. In Proverbs 31, if you're still there, in verse 28, he says her children, speaking about that virtuous woman, her children rise up and call her blessed. That's part of her reward. In other words, her own work speaks of her. Father's the same way. Your children, what your children are and what they have done and how they live says something about you and what you've done and what you put into them. Now, I want to, I have a balance to this, so I want you to hear what I'm saying. But it does say something. What your children have done says something about what you have done and your work in them. That's why we're proud of our children. One Father's Day, I got a t-shirt that says, one son is a police officer. I have another son who's a pastor. And my daughter is a nurse. What's your superpower? (laughs) For you to wear that on a t-shirt to say, hey, Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. And so we are proud of the accomplishments of our children, but yet there is something to be aware of. That we're not judging just the external and what they've accomplished. In other words, what what job they have or, 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 or how much money they make or how they finished in school or, 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 or what trophies they won or what athletic accomplishments they have achieved and gone after, all, all these accolades. He said, don't just judge on that. But it does say here in Proverbs that her own children will call her blessed. In other words, they, they will in fact be a reward to her because she has invested in them, same way with fathers, that you have invested in that child, and he or she will show what you have invested. That's true. But I'm also talking to fathers whose children show other things, and they wonder, have I done what's right? And in some cases, you've done what you should have done, and it doesn't always show outwardly. 
And in some cases, you haven't done what you should have done, and it doesn't always show that you haven't done what you should have done because there's success in spite of you. So both of those things are true. And what I wanted to do is look at this passage of Scripture, uh, one verse in 1 Timothy 5, 24. Could you look at that with me? And I hope that it is something that both warns and encourages you. Often God's Word does that at the same time. Warns us to beware of certain things and encourages us so that we don't get discouraged in our work. 1 Timothy 5.24. I often write these down in my notes, but I actually turn to them in the Word so that I can look at the context with you. And also it lets me know how much time I've given you to turn to it as I turn to it. 1 Timothy 5.24 says this, The sins of some people are conspicuous going before them to judgment. But the sins of others appear later. Conspicuous means easily seen, right? It's it's, it's, uh, uh, revealed. So he says, the sins of some people are easily seen, and you can tell exactly what was going on there, right? But others, it says, appear later. So be careful when we look at our children. Sometimes we are discouraged. Well, first let me, let me, let me just read that and, and go to the next point. It says, the next verse 25, So also good works are conspicuous. Some good works, in other words... You can see right away. And they're shown. They're revealed. There's some parents here today who have put in hard work in their children and it shows. And you feel that pat on the back. You feel encouraged by that. But there's another group of parents here today that I want to speak to for a moment. That's the opposite. And it says this. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. So there's two categories. There are parents who have done all that they can, or, or, or they have done what God expects of them humanly. They, obviously, there's some failures. There's some things they think they can do better, but they have done overwhelmingly what God calls them to do. They have laid foundation. And I know that verse in Proverbs says, train up a child in the way he should go when he's old and not depart of it. But that, that is a principle and not a promise. In other words, God's word does not promise every child that you raise in church is going to stay in church. God's word does not promise that. That principle will stay with them and they'll be judged and even self-judged and condemned and have conviction when they walk away from the truth because you've laid that for them. So you can rest assured that you've laid that foundation for them, and yet they went a different way. You may think of some things you would have done better or differently, but the fact is, if you have laid that foundation, praise God for you laying that foundation. And so our good works for some are seen 
easily or almost naturally, but sometimes they are not. Sometimes, raising kids is hard. Sometimes you're going to do what you should do, and you're not going to see the results. Or maybe you're not seeing the long enough time to see those results. Maybe you're not going to be around when that person changes or turns around. Some of us can say amen to that because God has changed our lives and we know our parents aren't around to see the change. We're sitting in church today and they hoped for that day but maybe didn't see it. The other is true as well. As dads, if dads who have stepped away from the home and have not fulfilled the responsibility that God has given them to fulfill, and yet mothers can come back behind them and do a job, and some of those kids, we can be proud of how they grew up, even though the Holy Spirit ought to convict us that we haven't done what we should have done. So my point to you is this. Endeavor right now to take on the responsibility that God has given you and to be that father he wants you to be. You can't change the past. You can't unscramble an egg. You can't go back and do anything differently, but you can right now. If you have been unfaithful as a dad in the past, admit that to God and ask him to forgive you and ask him to help you to be the father from this point on even if this point on seems too late, ask him to forgive you and allow you to be what, you, what he would have you to be. Ask him to let you build whatever it is you can or have whatever input you can or be whatever you can. Maybe it's going to be in other children other than your own. But ask him for his forgiveness and to allow you to, from this point on, to serve him faithfully in whoever he has given to your care. Ask God to forgive you. Ask the mother of your children to forgive you. Ask your children to forgive you. And move on from there. And be faithful from this point on. You can't erase the past. You can't change that. But be faithful now. And see, that's a walk of faith. It's trusting that he's going to do whatever he is going to do. Because I didn't do what I should have done. But you know what? All of us parent in that way. I was saying what I was proud of with my children, but I recognize fully it is the grace of God that has kept and, 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 and guided them and kept them every step of the way. And I praise God for that. I acknowledge God's work. Unless the Lord builds the house, they who labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman keeps, he stays up at night in vain. So those of us who can thank God for how our children are now, give praise to God for his work in that. It is he who has done that. And I take the same thing towards my grandchildren today, that by the grace of God, 
he will do the same he did in me, the same he did in my children, the same he will do in them. You have that opportunity, God is good, to start all over and say, God, I thank you for the opportunity to be a father or a grandfather or a great-grandfather in whatever capacity you've allowed me to be. Help me to be faithful in that. I can't change the past, but I can trust in you now. I can build on this foundation that you have given me. I can confess my wrong, and I can sleep at night knowing that I trust in you for all the results that follow. Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray that you would encourage our fathers, our mothers, our parents, basically to trust you, to turn things over to you, to look to you. You've given us responsibilities that we cannot fulfill outside of your power, and we confess that. But you've given us responsibilities to look at seriously, and we want to do all that you've called us to do right now. So give us that balance, Lord, so that from this point on, we show a trust in you in raising our children, a trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from him, everything is vain. But with him, there is no lost hope. There is no insignificant task. There is no meaningless task. All we do gives glory to him. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.